from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. It's time again for the next episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your kick bus host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete chaos. We got another rocking episode today. We're going to be talking to yet another wedding professional. And I love talking to these people because weddings have been essentially closed for the past year. They've all had to diversify and drastically change how they do business and the advice that they have, the things that they're doing during this never-ending pandemic really stretches over to things that the everyday business, the small business owners listening and watching to the show, you can totally take advantage of this advice that they're coming out with. But first, quick reminder, look out for my upcoming launch of my coffee brand, Dead House Coffee. Get back to life. <laughs> That's been inspired by all the things I've learned on this show. Just to show you how this show does help you gain personal, professional, business growth. It's inspired me to take that leap of faith and launch my own company. And for more information on that business, you got ideas, you want to help, you want to distribute it, I love you for it, reach out to me, david at deadhousecoffee.com. Second, make sure you're checking out my Forbes article. It's been out for a couple weeks now. The link is in the description below. You will find it, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify. Look for that, click it, read it, would love your feedback. And again, That's another article that has been derived from the information that I've learned on this show, speaking to all the people that have come on here. Now, let's get back to today's regularly scheduled program. We got an amazing individual on today who's going to chat with us about creating emotional marketing to attract luxury clientele. And this is something that we've discussed many times on this episode. Almost it feels like every other episode. But being able to create content that connects you at a higher level to your potential buyers in 2021 is critical. And, you know, that can be from the personal branding, the personal connection standpoint, but it really acts as like that catalyst that allows you to engage in a deeper level of, you know, a deeper level connection with your consumer and essentially unlocks business potential like you never before thought was possible. So who is today's guest? So glad you asked. Renee Sabo. Renee will show how intentionally incorporating emotion to create a powerful marketing campaign that will focus on human connection, shared interest, and mutual respect will land you the luxury clientele perfect for you. 
Hey, so without further ado, let's bring in this rock star, Renee Sabo. Let's bring her on in here. Reach your customer. Renee, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend, you just became Shark Bite. Ah, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me, David. <laughs> uh, no problem. It's our honor. I always love to have fellow podcasters here on this show. Creators rock. So let's just yes. jump right in, okay? Very first question, tradition on this show. It's a real softball question. In fact, you don't even need a baseball glove for it. It's that soft, okay? <laughs> okay. Who are <laughs> you? <laughs> Who are you? What's your experience? What do you do? What's your expertise? How'd you get where you're at? What makes Renee, Renee? Talk about loaded questions, right? Yeah, loaded question, but luckily I'm very used to answering this, right? So mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, my name is Renee, obviously. Uh, thanks, David, for the introduction. And I am a wedding planner based on the East Coast, and my company is called Urban Soiree. I do full service wedding planning and design. So uh, there's a lot of different types of wedding planners. So I always like to kind of specify that I'm dealing with more full service, right? I'm very hand-holding clients and um, planning sometimes full weekends, destinations. Uh, I'm based here in Boston, but uh, I travel for a lot of my work as well. So it's really fun. And then in addition to planning weddings, I have the podcast called The Confetti Hour, and I interview um, fellow wedding professionals. We have very lighthearted conversations. We talk about the things that drive each other crazy about each other. And it's it's just a fun time over there. Lots of Prosecco and honest combos. So I like it. <laughs> um, no, and then in addition, great. yeah, yeah, it's fun. Um, in addition, I do um, speaking and some like conferences and engagements. And then I also do mentoring for fellow wedding planners. So I have a lot of different facets and that's the way I like having my business but my true bread and butter my true love is definitely uh my working with my couples and my wedding planning business so oh that that's great i mean we've had a couple wedding planners on here as we yeah. were just discussing about the alaya has been on the show she i don't know if you know alaya she, yeah. she's been on here through through ariana as well too and yeah uh, it's actually funny because I start this podcast, I get the show going, stuff like that. And out of nowhere, I get reached out by Ariana as far as Alea coming on the show. And I'm doing the interview and we're talking about L.A. and when I lived out there and how I used to do these live events out in L.A., and I'm like, yeah, it was called the anti-luncheon. We'd serve dessert first. <laughs> I'd get these out-of-the-box speakers, stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, in fact, That's I even fun. had like William Hung, you know, American Idol, that she bangs yeah. He's been on yeah. the show. He's a very good friend of mine. I love William. He's a, he's one of the biggest dreamers I know. And that's why I oh, love him. Nice. And, you know, we were talking about She's like, oh, my God, I was at that, that event. And it was, oh, like, wow. was the first one I did. And I'm like, wow, that is such a small world. That is a really small world. And honestly, the whole event community really is a small world. I mean, I'm the president for an association called ILEA, the International Live Events Association. I'm the Boston chapter president, but I get to work with people all Ooh. over the U.S. and internationally. I know, drop that little bomb too. Yeah, that's a volunteer <laughs> position, but it's um, it's an honor because I get to you know, work with really great, you know, creatives. And then I get to know all these people in different facets. And there are so many connections in small worlds. I mean, um, with this 
whole pandemic, there's a lot of shifts going on, obviously, for the event and wedding industry. And I have some clients that are shifting around like locations and destinations. And I, at first, you know, whenever I go into a destination project, I do a lot of research and I even will go out there and like visit properties, but I didn't really get the opportunity to do that with all this COVID stuff. So I've been leaning so much on the industry and these connections. And I found so many small world, like coincidences, like people who know people and, um, you know, it's, it's really cool. So I have some weddings, you know, out in the West coast and LA and them have been really helpful. So I'm, I'm grateful for the, the wild connections, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. And that, you know, it, it comes back to an important point that I have. When I was younger, I was probably a little bit more rebellious. But as I got older and got wiser, I've done two things, which is one, don't burn bridges Two, always stay in contact. If you meet somebody that, you know, you you had like a positive experience, a positive vibe with, you might not need anything from them that day but staying connected with them linkedin facebook twitter whatever you do you know staying in contact in some form i mean i'm interviewing a guy right now for a sales position that 12 years ago i actually interviewed for this guy and you know he's perfect for what i'm looking for right now and it's just like you know you've gotta think always short term but then long term too you never know when that person has something that you need or that you have something that they need and it's like you're reconnected yeah no i actually really like resonate with that because i try to operate very i would say approachable welcome friendly but professional always and i teach my team that on oh you're not approachable (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm like kidding. to talk. Hence why I have a podcast. Like we, you know, us talkers <laughs> yeah. have to stick together. So yeah. I always say not much of a blogger, but very much a talker. So yep. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, but anyways, like I I just I love that because I definitely think you have to lead with this level of like stay connected and you're not gonna be everyone's best friends, but if you stay professional or friendly, you know, it, it does go a long way throughout your career. And you know, I I feel bad because I actually skipped over even telling you about my journey, but I basically, I should we, started, should we, uh, restart yeah. the podcast then? <laughs> no, 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 please don't. Edit that. I know how much work <laughs> I'm that kidding. would be. <laughs> uh, but I was going to say, I, a lot of that has like carried through since my childhood because I actually started wanting to be in the wedding industry. I've always wanted to be a wedding planner, probably since I was about 15 or 16, which is okay. rare because it, it's actually, it wasn't really like a, very strong job at the time you know my parents were like a wedding planner uh yeah. I don't know if that's a career you know <laughs> uh, but I just have so many connections from um different jobs that I tried knowing they weren't mm-hmm. going to be the right fit but I wanted to make sure that I was getting experience in the event industry there was a lot of event type of jobs available hospitality like hotels rentals catering Um, I always knew that that was never going to be my end game, but I always took all those opportunities as a chance to just be a stronger planner in the end of the day. And so because all those things that you just mentioned, I mean, that's part of the recipe, I would think, on the outside looking in of being successful with weddings. Oh, yeah. I mean, it. I actually, you know, you asked, I guess, what is what makes me special? I think that that's actually something that has really been beneficial for my career and kind of 
getting me to where I want to be. I mean, I've only actually had my personal business for five years, but working for all these different facets has just made me a very well-rounded planner. You know, I know what to send the caterer. Jack of all trades, master of Jack of all trades. Yeah. I think I get it from my grandpa. He's kind of like a Renaissance man. He knows everything. He, he went to school for (laughs) pharmacy professor and he was a professor in pharmacy for so many years, but that he also is a Japanese sous chef uh, and we're Chinese, so that's not even like we grew up cooking <laughs> Japanese, but uh, he collects like cars, you know, he yeah. like raced cars for a little while. He's just like, he does woodworking, gardening. I'm just saying, I think it came from my family, um, but it's I, I've got to say, I, I've got to say that that's funny because you're you're there like, you know, he was a, a Japanese sous chef or, or however he worded that. And then I'm thinking, oh, okay, yeah. she's Japanese. That's cool. And then you're like, yeah. I'm Chinese. I <laughs> know. Like, oh, okay. There you go. It, yeah. But that's awesome, though. I mean, you have those solid influences yeah. that really built you into who you are. Now, what I want to jump into right now is, yeah. I mean, you're on here because of marketing relationships things like that and people might be wondering like david you got another wedding planner on but the thing (laughs) is is that all the people that we've had on here i mean these are really true business experts they wear multiple hats marketing relationships how to pivot and they're in an industry that has been hit very very hard during the pandemic and they still had to find ways to make men's eat. And that's where I think that a lot of the stories of what, you know, these wedding planners like yourself have to say are so intriguing, awesome and inspiring. So yeah. getting that context out of there, you have your, your confetti hour podcast where you basically get drunk and talk about wedding stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, basically. When did you start because the podcast? Because we are wedding we're wedding professionals, which is why we have to drink, you know? Okay. So, okay. It's a hard Don't industry. give any of my guests any ideas. Well, yeah, actually yeah. get them to send me the, the alcohol and I'll drink with them on air. David, you'd be surprised what people say with a little Prosecco or, you know, I'm just kidding, but yeah, no. Yeah. I, I love, yeah. I love that connection that you made. I mean, I, I've always grown up loving marketing. Like I said, there wasn't really the opportunity when I went to college to be a wedding planner. So I had to kind of seek out different, ways to learn event planning. And and part of that was PR and marketing. I took, I was in a strategic communication role. Um, but I always had my eye on, I want to be in the wedding industry. So it kind of, I've always had this like mix and I know a lot of your past guests are the same. It's, there's really not just one thing that leads someone to their career, right? We all have these different strengths and experiences. Um, but that, that personal transformation is something that we focus on a lot because a lot of the people that are successful in one business today, oftentimes never started. I mean, we had funeral director that sounded like the superstar fitness coach and stuff. And it's like, how the heck do you get from that to this? And hearing those stories and those connections are really awesome. Yeah. And I think that it's really nice because it just doesn't put you in a box. You can always create your destiny. And so I started the podcast because while I love what I do with weddings, I felt like I did want more. I wanted, Mm -hmm. you know, an outlet, a creative outlet. Um, I wanted a way to network on my terms there, you know, you're signing up for network groups, you're, and I'm pretty extrovert. So networking is not hard for me, but I do get overwhelmed because as a planner in the, in the industry with events, we're kind of like with venues and planners, we're kind of top of the food chain, I would say. And so you're getting solicited a lot, but so like, 
photographers, cater, everyone's emailing you. Mm -hmm. And it's just hard to build relationships. And so I love the idea of the podcast, creating my own content. Like I said, not a writer, mm -hmm. but I'm a talker. So now I can create my own blog in this sense of a fo audio form. Um, but I also get to know the people that come on my podcast. I get to network with them and then oh, I get yeah. to pick their brain a little, you know, yeah. um, it's a mutually beneficial relationship because they're getting their word out there. They're marketing themselves from a PR standpoint. Um, but we're also building a relationship. So that, that, that's awesome. So yeah, uh, with that, I mean, I do it the, the same way because when I'm doing the podcast, I mean, I am, I don't know. I go through it with the philosophy. I was kind of telling you this when we were in the green room getting ready uh, without <laughs> yeah. alcohol, unfortunately. Um, oh, but no. I was telling you, <laughs> my job is to make, you look like a rock star because whatever I do, I do it. I kind of view it like a unselfish cycle, I would say. And I call it that way because it's not like, Hey, I'm the star of the show. I got to go kick butt and be awesome. And I'm going to hog the limelight. No, because this yeah. is my dang show. And my <laughs> job is to make my guests look like rock stars because that reflects upon me. And yeah. I'm meeting extremely talented. I have so many new relationships since I've started the podcast cool. that it is unbelievable some of the things that we've done just because while we're talking out during the show, afterwards we realize like, hold on, hold on. Don't leave this Zoom call yet after I stop <laughs> recording because we actually yeah. have business, you know, we got synergy here that we could talk about. And it's been pretty, pretty awesome. How long ago did you start your show? I started two years ago. And well, first of all, this is a lot of work. So you're showing up for the community like crazy. And it's really awesome what you do. And yeah, I feel that you. with mine too. Like I, I've been doing it for two years and there's not really a question of like, people are like, oh, it's a project. So when does the project end? I'm like, no, it's now. Yeah. It, you know, I, and I will say it didn't start out quite many episodes as like or frequency? a job. Yeah. Yeah. So I do every Thursday morning, I air an episode. And so we're approaching like almost a hundred episodes soon. So I'm excited. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm on your, I'm on your tail. Um, yeah. I've got I got uh, by the time this comes out, I'll probably be over 70. Uh, That's awesome. But, uh, I I'm going to catch up. And uh, while your <laughs> podcast might be better, I'll be beating you in the quantity. No, no. You have YouTube, my friend, which is yeah. a whole other side that I am so yeah. fascinated about. And so I um, applaud you for doing video because it's something that I'd love to grow into one day, too. But at the end of the day, Believe I Believe it or not, the video version yeah. of this is so much more views and really uh, followers than the audio version. That's something, yeah. uh, you know, I'm looking in ways to kind of, I mean, it's good because the listens we do have on, you know, Spotify, iTunes, all those places, they're organic, but yeah. I do want to really start growing that portion of it more because I'm like, hey, you know, there's no reason why this should have a couple hundred views on the audio, but the video has couple thousand obviously the right. guests are right the content's right it's just i need to get the word out better and that's something i'm actually developing a nice action plan with now oh well keep me posted i would love to hear more on that too because it is it is i will say podcasting is a slow grow like 
I'm really mm-hmm. grateful for my audience and the people that support me. Um, but right. it's every, just like anything in life, everything takes time. And um, even yeah. with what we're going to talk about in a little bit with emotional marketing, like with my business, I obviously didn't know everything that I was doing at the beginning. I mean, there is beauty yeah. in the journey, right? So with the podcast, it's been really fun to see it grow. At first, I was just interviewing local New England professionals. Now I'm interviewing people kind of all over. And I think that it's just all over the US or globally? Globally. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Same here. I mean, it it always surprises me when I get an email from I I get a lot of emails from listeners and viewers of the show like, hey, David, um, I heard that uh, you said if People wanted to be a guest. They have a story to tell. Reach out to us. And <laughs> I get people that will reach out. I've had Australia, New Zealand, Thailand, yeah. China, Singapore, UK. And wow. that always blows my mind. I have not had any Canadians. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. but uh, I have a few I could reach out to. Or I could oh, send you over go. to you. I you work want. for a Canadian company. So go figure. It's weird. I was about to ask. So that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. But... Uh. I mean, it, it, it is a way, I think it's the modern way of really marketing because, mm-hmm. I don't know, we're in this weird culture thing that's going on right now, especially with the way people view big brands or corporations. And I kind of yeah. get the feel that people in this day and age, they want to buy things, they want to do business with people that they know that they trust but not just that but people that are they're backed up by a brand you know by the company Mm -hmm. but they're not looking at buying most time i mean it depends on the item yeah if you're going to buy a car you you probably want to get it off a dealer you know not some guy that made one in his garage but (laughs) you know with stuff like i do with tech i mean you're you're looking for somebody like hey david his team's going to take care of us uh, you know, he's backed by SAP, Sage. So yeah, let's go yeah. do business with him. And I, I, that's really where I feel that the opportunity is with all this content creation. And that's why I do things yeah. like write articles on Forbes and stuff like that, because it gives people visibility inside my brand. Oh, absolutely. I think that PR and marketing, cause they're different, right? But I think they are so important to a business and Um, It would be really easy for me to just believe me, my workload, I have plenty of work to keep me busy with wedding planning. I wouldn't need to branch out into these different things. But when I look, because when I look at other (laughs) brands I look up to, I know because I'm psycho. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I I like, you know, not sleeping. Um, But when I look (laughs) at other companies, you know what it is, is it's, it's getting my name out there and for people to really hear who I am and see if you know, they want to work with me. And I think that it's also um, really nice to diversify our revenue, you know, taking it back to, yes, my industry and a lot of people's industries have been hit really hard with this pandemic. And I do have other sources of income through the podcast and education speaking. And if I didn't have right. that, um, of course, that also has been tough because my uh, podcast advertises to wedding creatives who are probably not looking to spend money right this second. So yeah, that, yeah, was, yeah. that was a little tough, but at the same time, it's nice that I can plan out my future. Um, I'm, I'm very much a quality over quantity type of wedding planner. I don't yep. want to do a lot of weddings because I am so full service. And so it gives me the opportunity to be able to look at these other facets and say like, 
maybe we focus heavily on speaking for next year because I can travel by myself, but taking on another destination client, it, you're getting into the uncertainty of postponing another wedding, then taking another date that you can't sell another date on. So it's just, there's, there's, I like the variety is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a nice summary. So yeah, a big <laughs> one. You'll find I'm much a, a very big talker. So <laughs> oh, same here, same here. Um, let's uh, jump into topic that I'm sure you're going going yeah. to want to talk a lot about, which is going to be the creating emotional marketing to attract luxury clientele. I love that phrase of luxury clientele. Why don't you explain to us about the concept? And I think a good spot to start off though, what yeah. is your definition of luxury clientele? You know, I think that it looks different for every market and area and region and industry. So I think that that's why marketing and analyzing marketing and understanding mm -hmm. a marketing strategy is so important for your business. Uh, for me, there's multiple tiers of luxury in my industry. So it's not, you'll see the term luxury, you know, fly around in the wedding and event industry, but there's actually tiers of different luxury clients and they all look different. So I would mm -hmm. say like on a very basic framework, it's important to analyze the market that you're in and what you want out of it. Um, and then start to understand the human connection and the shared interest and like kind of what that looks like to market to those clients. So it's, it's, there is a lot of details in this, but I'll try to keep it, you know, easy, actionable steps because. Well, it's, well it's, this is the audience that likes to yeah. get some details yeah. where it's valuable. Good. Okay. Give perfect. them action items. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think that there is so much that we could go into this, but I think simply what I'll start with is that this is how I've created success in my business. I, I do have advertising and marketing budgets, but for the most part, I, I don't spend a lot on marketing and I don't typically have to work too, too hard to have the right clients. And that's because I did the research and the time I had a couple of years, of course, being a new business owner, figuring out what wasn't right for me. I think we all go through that. Uh, but you know, I think first and foremost, when you are, if you are looking to serve a luxury client, understanding what that luxury client looks like in the demographic that you're working in. So for me in mm -hmm. New England, it looks very different uh, with weddings than it would be. I mean, you may think that somebody luxury might be, you know, oh, they love Louis Vuitton, but you know, that's, that, that's a really broad statement. You can't generalize a luxury client based on one little thing that they carry or a handbag, you know? So I like to really get into it a little bit more and identify what that looks like. So um, for me, most of my clients fall in a certain budget range. And that's simply because of how much things cost here in, in mm -hmm. the New England or for a destination event. They have priorities of guest experience. They typically wouldn't want the guest experience. They wouldn't want to stimp on any of the guest experience. You know, food's really right. important, live entertainment. Um, the venue needs to be of a certain quality. Um, and so these are all things that I also bond with, right? So I, I like these things. So it was very easy for me to be drawn and attracted to them. Am I the richest person? Oh, who doesn't them? like high quality food, yeah. right? Who doesn't like high quality? We all like high quality, but at the end of the day, it's not me planning an event, right? Or it's not me. It's about my consumer and my client. So um, mm. I like to be approachable with it. And and I think the biggest thing I can say with 
marketing is that what leads me to kind of attracting a luxury clientele is like emotional marketing, right? So mm -hmm. um, this looks a lot like talking about personal milestones or why certain details are important, you know, with my product or my service or why they would be important to your product or service. And, right. you know, it's a little less of that salesy, tacky marketing that we see. Like, I yeah, can't I hate imagine. salesy, tacky uh, marketing. I mean, that whenever I hear that needs to end regardless. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I think like car salespeople, you know, like exactly. I really. Now, I know not all car sales people are cheesy. Sorry for, you know, car sales listeners. Maybe they're there, not, but, but yeah, they get a bad right. rep, right? <laughs> right. They get a bad rep. But I also don't like how their their sales cycle is, you know, like you, you go out there, you try to buy a car. They usually will go with like, hey, here's the four blocks, you know, payments, this, that, this. And it's like, dude, that is so scammy. Like I, I sell... Yeah million dollar projects on my own you know if i tried to do something like this like what you're trying to do with the car being so shady like this i would never sell anything i mean it is yeah. in, in fact i'm at the point right now i don't even buy a car walking into a car dealership okay straight up no. i do it right over the phone and it's like okay if you don't want the sale th this is the car i want this is the numbers i'm yeah. at here's my credit info okay get it for me this is what I'm buying. Okay. A lot of people won't even do it over the phone. It's like, well, dude, I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to go down there and sit in your dang office for you to go back and forth with numbers for six hours doing the paperwork. Yeah, okay. It's so you're, annoying. Right. You're doing this straight out. Okay. This is what I'm buying. You're either going to do it or you're yeah. not going to do it. If you're not going to do it, I got a long list of people to call. And <laughs> I haven't bought a car in person probably in about well i mean eventually i do have to go in and sign to get the guard the yeah permit. right that's but, fine though there's a purpose and, and you're not in over wasting time. 10, 10 years i have never spent more than 45 minutes buying a car because of that wow and i mean i actually love that story because if you if you think about a luxury client typically they outsource uh all of these things and they want the process streamlined and they don't have time to waste on stuff like that. And that's exactly the approach I have with marketing is that my client doesn't have time for me to talk to them for three hours and listen to all the nuances and explain it. That's why they're hiring me. So they just right. need to know that it's going to get done. It's going to be at the level of service that they expect. Um, and then they are ready. It doesn't actually take much. I mean, and that's how I operate. Like I don't need to see three different roof people for my house. I just need mm -hmm. to see maybe one or two. I need to understand what I'm looking at, what the value is. And then I don't want to be bombarded with calls. I don't, I've already made a decision within an hour or maybe a half hour of hearing all the quotes and hearing people. So right. I think that with luxury exactly. clients, especially, they don't want to waste time. I mean, exactly. my dad actually works for, I yeah, view myself, Tesla. maybe I, th maybe I think yeah. too much of myself, but I view myself as a luxury client for a lot of things and that oh, I'm yeah, buying, with but, but I'm also, you know, I'm advanced, you know, I typically in my industry, you get a customer and we look at a one of two ways. They're either going to be sophisticated or unsophisticated. Now you may think unsophisticated, that sounds cult, but it's actually, it's <laughs> not a bad thing. Unsophisticated means that they just need the education. They know that they need your help, but they don't know what they need. They don't need the direction. 
and yeah. you just that's where you've got to do more whereas when you get the sophisticated client they already know what they want they know the numbers they know the functionality yeah. features it's show them give them pricing deals done and yeah. that's kind of how i go in with any purchase that i make too you know and yeah. I don't know, it surprises me, like how old school, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to rip on car sales right now. But, I know, poor uh, car sales. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does true. bum me out because they don't adjust. I mean, they're being told like, no, don't waste your time. Like I'm on sales professional groups on Facebook mm. and for some reason it's mostly car people and they're, they're saying, you know, stories like this, oh, I would never deal with somebody that won't come in and invent. I, well, then you don't want the deal because yeah. I will find the brand new employee that's going to work hard because he's trying to get his first sale and I'm going to give him a sale and not mess around with him. I'm not spending yeah. 10 hours in the dealership. And you know, it's funny as a younger generation tends to understand that, which is uh, not always the case, right? But it it is shown. And I think you see this with like cell phone type of companies or mm -hmm. any, any company, you see some of this old school sales tactics and mm -hmm. they're just, they're outdated. They don't work. And especially if you want to be in a luxury clientele, I mean, I was about to say, so my dad works for Tesla out in California. And um, oh. obviously I can't go too far into like what he does, but because we were talking about cars, it reminded me so much about this. I don't think he ever really sees his clients that often unless they need to come there. So you get into these luxury brands and I would say for our business, maybe analyzing companies like that, that you would aspire to um, mm -hmm. is helpful because you can see like, you may not get that experience at mm -hmm. uh, working with a company like that, um, as opposed to like going to your local dealer that's, you know, selling you cars in a certain, you know. Right, because that, that, yeah, that's- Yeah, I'm like trying to say it nicely. <laughs> Yeah, that, no, that's a perfect, 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 perfect example because working yeah. with Tesla, they will barely see their client. They're they're getting that more sophisticated client that knows what they're looking at. They know what they want, and yeah. there may be some questions, clarifications, or some stuff around packages and stuff like that. But yeah. for the most part, you know, you're you're just answering and filling in some gaps in knowledge. Now, dealerships when they get that. If they were to get that same customer that's doing that transaction with Tesla, you know, they're kind of confused. No, no, no. You have to go test drive this first. Yeah. And it, it's like, dudes, we're, we're not in that, um, in that that's world. That's not today. what we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that they all know their markets. Right. And so we can also take that example as like, you know, of course, because I'm in the wedding event industry, it's easy for me to relate to this, but not every planner does what I do and nor should they, because right. there is a reason why I serve my clientele. I've done a lot of, I have a lot of experience working with luxury clients um, and events, and it is a, it is a different service than what a planner mm -hmm. that does 45 weddings a year does. I only do eight to 10 weddings a year because I yeah. literally know the brand of underwear my clients are spend are buying because I am likely the one that referred it to them. So right. it's, what, what brand it, is most popular? <laughs> well, if they need to suck it in Spanx, <laughs> of course, uh, or like a La Perla or like, you know, it's all, there's all these different brands, but uh, likely a luxury brand. <laughs> there so. you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So, you know, what we're talking about this with the wedding, with the car, whatever, cell phone, whatever it may be. Yeah, whatever industry. So, yeah. so with that, you know, 
Can you sum it up nicely as far as then why you feel that emotional marketing uh, is going to be the stronger approach than those traditional marketing, you know, even traditional like sales strategies like we were talking? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it comes down to luxury clients want to know that you understand what they need because they don't have time to look at a hundred different options. And the way that you can do this with emotional marketing is to talk about the small details, talk about the quality of the product or the service that you offer and be able to relate to a high-end you know, customer. You know, For instance, let's take skincare as an example. I love skincare. I spend way too much on it. My husband would probably prefer if I stopped going to Sephora for makeup or skincare. Um, <laughs> but I also get overwhelmed when I go into the store because there are so many different options and they're it's expensive honestly no matter what like like Mm -hmm. level you're looking at and I go in and I just want to be told what's going to help with my solution I don't want to do hundreds of hours of research I will pay 150 dollars for a little like little thing of cream if they tell me that I need that (laughs) do you know what I mean (laughs) Um, but the what what you see often with these marketers of brands like that is they're talking about more being the solution of the problem so right So for me, that looks like I talk a lot about the process, how we're going to customize an event, because that is very important to a high end client. They don't just want whatever event that's on the knot. Um, We talk about the different ways we're going to personalize it and make it special. Um, That being said, something else that I wanted to add to my quick summary of what's important with this is a high end clientele appreciates discretion. And so I never am sharing details that would insinuate a location of event or any of their privacy um, or calling them out for or choices, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I typically would say something like, you know, we picked this type of flower because, um, you know, my couple grew up going to the Cape. That's super vague. No one's like finding an address about the Cape. You know what I mean? So <laughs> um, I try to like make it personal, but at the same time, be really respectful. I don't list their names as much. Uh, and I think privacy Streamlineness, privacy, and quality is very important when dealing with a luxury client, no matter what industry you're in. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Hey, this has been uh, extraordinarily fun. Cool, uh, I'm glad. <laughs> I've uh, I've loved this chat here. I think it's been far-reaching. We've talked about a lot of things. We uh, took a t- couple good jabs at the car industry, and. Um, <laughs> You know, we've learned, I I think we've learned some good things just to really about the human connections, shared interest, and, you know, just really connecting with people to market in a better, smarter way. Yeah, I, I think that emotional marketing is very personal. And that means getting personal with who your customer is, right? And right kind of putting yourself in their shoes. So yeah, I loved our conversation and thanks for giving me the chance to chat with you about it. Cause I feel like I learned a lot from you too. So oh, it's perfect. Awesome. I love hearing <laughs> that. Uh, yeah. and so I, I got to ask you, how yeah. can people reach out to you and where can they find your podcast? Oh, awesome. So you can find me on website and social media, urban underscore soiree or the confetti hour on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and then the confetti hour.com. And we're on iTunes and Spotify and pocket cast anywhere that you tune into your podcast. You could check it out if you're a wedding creative. <laughs> so 
So thank yeah. you again, though. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, even if you're not a wedding creative, check it out and watch her get drunk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I don't do video. So you won't you only get oh, to laugh at yeah, it. Yeah. But yeah, you one can day you I'll can still video. listen to the slurred speech. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> I actually have been showcasing a lot of topics that are just broad for fellow business owners too. So check it out and uh, connect with me on social media. I love hearing from people. So yeah, oh, definitely, I'm excited definitely. to binge all your videos now. <laughs> I've oh, already started, you, but you, you've got it. Yeah. We've got some good ones. I mean, yeah. Uh, you should have seen the Mr. Jim's Pizza just published uh, the other day. That's funny because uh, Mr. Jim's a great, sweet guy, but he gave me the oddest darn headshot ever, you know? Oh, he's, yeah. You know, he's like in his suspenders and stuff, and then he's laying on his side with his, uh, you know, surrounded by pizza boxes and stuff, and... Yeah, I I love challenges. So committed, I love that. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mr. Jib was awesome, but there's some good episodes, some good rock stars. William Hung's out there. You got Brian Vanderark nice. from The Verb Pipe. Um, you know, so there's uh, a lot of good people out there. Uh, a lot of experts. Nice. Check it out. And hey, thank you so much for coming on. As always, we're gonna have all your links down there in the description. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, David. Again, it was so great chatting yeah. with you. No problem. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Such an awesome chat with Renee. Okay. I know you probably thought a oh, wedding planner. How is that going to help me? Look at the underlining discussion we had. There is so many gold nuggets in there with that conversation. Amazing. You can take a lot of what we're saying and apply it to almost any type of sale Especially the car people. We took jabs at you. <laughs> Sorry about that. I love car salespeople. But the experience, it's antiquated. Get with the modern times. But first, before I get into everything else, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, remember, we're trying to build a community. We're trying to get like-minded business individuals that want to grow personally, professionally. They want to grow their business just like I did. I'm doing that. I launched a coffee brand because of this podcast and everything I learned. Okay. If this speaks to you, make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, leave a comment, help, you know, use that engagement so that other people can find the show. But if it really sparks some warm and fuzzies with you, do me a solid. Share this out on your social media. Let's get Renee. Let's get Shark Bite Biz, David Strasser. Let's get all of us trending on Twitter, trending on LinkedIn. That would be amazing. Help us grow the community, and it's going to benefit you because we're going to be getting even bigger, higher quality guests on here. And we have an announcement. It's going to come out in a couple episodes from now. We got somebody huge, huge, huge. And I've had rock stars on this show. And we have somebody way bigger than that, more relevant than that coming on. But it only works if you all smash that like button, smash that subscribe button, and please share this episode. So let's get back to Renee. One of the things that was pointed out with Renee is really just having that deep network. The deep network of people that she has built, 
without burning many bridges throughout her life has really allowed her to excel and push her career to a new level with all of her businesses, her podcast, all that stuff. Basically, people connecting and building relationships is critical, especially while we're all remote. Okay, in 2021, building the relationships, even digitally, is the utmost important thing that you could do because you never know when those paths will cross again in a mutual beneficial way. PR, marketing, yeah, they are totally different, but yet so much the same. If you can make your PR part of your overall marketing strategy, getting your name out there, again, that's something that is critical. It gives you the SEO, it gives you the uh, recognition, the authority, all that stuff. And it essentially really allows people to know who you are as an individual. And that'll make them so much more comfortable doing business with you and ultimately just writing you a big fat check without making you jump through a million hoops. Another great point that Renee had was kind of the quality versus quantity discussion. When you start selling, hey, my golden rule of sales, just sell. Get the deals done. Don't worry about commissions. Don't worry about gross profits. Don't worry about any of that. Just close deals. Take all that other stuff out of the equation. What you are looking for at that stage of the game is to master the sale. Now, once once you have all the deals, you know, a couple deals under your belt, things are rolling. Yeah, you know, you have the reputation, you have the references, that type of stuff. That's where... You've got to do a shift. And I think Renee basically was saying that that's what she did. Making that pivot from quantity of selling everything to a quality shift to where she's selling higher level, more luxury type customers. And that's where you can charge the big bucks and really be selective in who you work with and what you do. You aren't going to be forced into taking something that you really aren't thrilled about. You know, like those situations where it's like, yeah, I guess I can do that. But, you know, you have to just because you need the business. It's a beautiful choice to have in business if you can get to the level where you're able to say what you do and what you want to do. If you get there... You're going to rock. Your business is going to be a top par. You're going to have sale after sale after sale, and they're going to be your ideal luxury customer. One other point of the discussion we had is really where we were discussing, like, me buying a car. Okay? Yeah, sorry, car salespeople, but I operate a very unique way. But that unique way isn't just towards me. I mean, that's the luxury clientele. They just don't have the time. I don't have the time to go six hours at a dealership. They just want it done. And as Renee says, to get it done at the level that the buyer expects. They're hiring you. They want to go to you. 
They're telling you what they want, and they're expecting you to be able to execute. Okay, if you can't execute, then in my case, buying a car, I'm going to the next person. I'm not spending more than an hour at a dealership. I am going into a dealership, sign, down payment, give me my car. That's it. I don't want the test drive stuff. I don't want anything like that. I just want to be in and out because my time is so valuable. And that's what the luxury client really thinks. And you have to be conscience about that you have to modernize your sales cycle to accommodate that type of mentality the key is when you get into higher quality sales it just really comes down to execution and delivering in the least amount of time and effort possible from the buyer so let's get into the discussion question of the day how have you changed your business during the pandemic? We've discussed about how Renee has had to change some things up because of the pandemic. How about you? What have you done differently to change things during the pandemic? Chat below, whether it's on YouTube, or leave a comment on anywhere you find the podcast, whether it's Podbeans, iTunes, Spotify, or whatever. Leave a comment. I really want to see these discussion points. That's going to be amazing. Also, as always, if you want to be a guest on this show, again, we're booking for many months out, but don't worry. Fans of the show, I do fast track. I do accommodate. Shoot me an email, david at sharkbitebiz.com. I will all but guarantee we will eventually get you out here. I love to hear your stories and what you've done. And let's get let's get it out. Let's other people hear it, okay? So that way that they can grow from your experience. So once again, you guys all know this been out. I'm David Strasser. This is Shark Bite Fizz. We'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.